who you are right now. I've never heard any of these things. It's all like clean slate. Never heard any of it. I can tell Jim is doing it. So I really appreciate that. All right. So, so say you are who you are right now. And you don't know any of these things. And someone comes up to you and they say, hey, you know what? Um, there's this God. I don't know where he came from. He just has always been there. And he created this heaven, earth, the universe, everything. And then he actually created us. Um, and, and then after we were created, lots of people, lots of years, uh, there's the sin in the earth uh, almost from the beginning. And because of this sin, there's, there's also this dude named Devil, and he's kind of a freaky dude. And, um, and because of this, then if, if something doesn't change, then after you die, you go to this place called hell. And it's pretty bad, like fire and brimstone and all this stuff. Imagine, you've never heard any of this before. Okay? And so God knew that because this was going to happen after you die, he, he knew he had to, to do something to help you. And so what he did is he sent this this guy, Jesus, who was actually a son from heaven to earth. Oh, and how he did it, actually, is he, uh, he had him be birthed from this virgin. Um, and then there was this manger full of hay where cows eat. Um, and, and so this, this guy grew up to actually be a man who performed all these miracles. And, and then people like us decided that... He thinks he's this king, so we're going to kill him. And so he was crucified on this cross, killed. And then actually after that, three days later, he rose from the dead. And because of that, now that place called hell and brimstone, all that stuff, you don't have to do that if, if you choose to believe in what I just told you. So if you had never heard any of that and somebody came up to you and they told you all of those things, what would your reaction be, Honestly. Crazy, right? I mean, one, you might punch him in the face. You might run away. You might just laugh. But I don't know how many of us, if we heard that story, clean slate, we hadn't heard anything from our parents, we hadn't, been grown, we hadn't grown up in church, or we hadn't heard it years later from a friend or something, and we hear that story, I don't think any of us would just go, oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That would sound crazy. I mean, listen to this. Everything I just said sounds crazy. And that's our faith. So what I'm saying is, for those who have this relationship with Jesus and have faith in Christ, that is what we are believing in. And if we break it down to what it really is, it really does sound crazy, but it's not. It's not crazy. Um, and that's what is so interesting about Faith, it's choosing to believe in something that we cannot see. We can't see it with our eyes. We can't, we can't see clear, clearly the facts in, in front of us because we cannot see God with our eyes. We can't see him. He can't audibly talk to us. And so faith is believing in something we can't see. And, and so there's a lot of different personalities in this room. There's a lot of people that probably analyze and, and look for as many facts as they possibly can get, the engineer types that need to know all the numbers. And there's some that are, are realists that say, you know, it's really hard to step out in faith because 
again, that's something we can't see. And then there's the optimists and there's the pessimists. And so the, this, this room is made up of a lot of different personalities. And so we're looking at this and hear this great story. And we have to come to our own conclusion of faith. And so we've all been faced with that. And maybe some of us actually haven't gone to the point where we say, yeah, I believe in that, that crazy story. But most of us have come to that conclusion. Aside from anything else, think of a, a kid who, who learns about Santa Claus when they're young. It's their parents telling them. And then their parents, sorry, their parents, you know, bring the, oh, wait. Are there any kids in here that are going to learn something? That, <laughs> or adults, maybe. I don't know. Um, now I'm worried that I'm going to ruin somebody's. <laughs> Next year's, oh, whatever. Parents have that conversation after this. Um, so this, these kids that learn about Santa, because their parents tell them this is true, and they believe it with all their hearts. And so every Christmas, these things take place that helps them believe it. But then eventually, maybe a friend tells them, or the parents come to, you're old enough, now you're 18, you should know this. Um, you get to the point where, where that is told. And so their whole faith in Santa was based on what their parents told them and what they saw until they were told it wasn't there. Our faith in Jesus, it could become, we could hear it from our parents, we could hear it from somebody at camp or at the church or our, our coworker, but ultimately this belief comes down to what we conclude with our own hearts. At some point, we are all forced to say, you know what? I do believe there's sin and I'm lost and there's going to be this eternity in this horrible place. And the only way that I can be saved is to believe that Jesus did come, die for me, and rose again and has defeated that for me. And so we've talked about sin. Nick talked about sin two weeks ago. He talked about atonement. Now, now Jesus paid that price for us. And so as we work out our own faith, there's a lot of things that go into it. It's not just believing that God created us. It's also believing that God created us, sent his son to die for us, rose again, defeated sin and death. And then there's the aspect of, okay, if I do believe that, that somebody sent their son for me, then I feel like I owe something, that I'm obligated to give something back. So then out of obligation, we feel like we got to work towards this. And there's, there's plenty of religions that, that believe just that, that they have to do as much as they possibly can to work their way to heaven. And that it's not this gift that we've been given. But those that can believe that, that, that we've been given this gift, and I believe in Jesus, I have this relationship, I have faith. Then there's the things that happen in our lives that make us question that this God who says he loves us truly does. And maybe not all of us go through that. But I think a lot in this room have gone through things in their lives that make them say, how, how is this what I'm supposed to have faith in? Because how could this happen to this person or how could this happen to me? And so as we look at our own faith, there's so many things that, that get in the way of helping us to be able to make what our heart truly can believe in, in this relationship with Jesus Christ. And so what I want you guys to do this morning as you hear the story, 
is look at a good God that no matter what happens in our lives, he gives us this gift and then it comes down to us choosing to have this faith, this relationship in him. And it's the most important decision you can make. I mean, we're talking about life goes by like this and then we've got eternity. And eternity does not go by like this. And eternity is where we have heaven with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Faith. I want to read out of Romans chapter 4. Starting in verse 1. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, discovered in this matter? If in fact Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now then, a man works his wages are not credited to him as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the man who does not work, but trusts God, who justifies the wicked, his faith is credited as righteousness. David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the man to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are they whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will never count against him. Now jump to 18. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The word it was credited to him was written not for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness, for us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. So again, even with Abraham, there was this, it's not based on works, it's based on our faith in him. It was credited to us, it was given to us. It's no obligation, this was a gift. And then what Abraham was able to do was not waver and disbelief no matter what happened in his life. And so God made a promise to him. And Abraham's able to say, yes, I'm going to choose to believe no matter how crazy this sounds. And that was credited to him as righteousness. When Nick said we were going to do this series, it's a four-week series, he said every week we're going to have a testimony. And, I, and at that point, I started praying and thinking about who I wanted to have come up here. And it took me a little while. Um, but this story just kept coming back to me. And... Uh, I'm going to have Jessalyn Klein come up here right now. I'd heard a little bit of Jessalyn's story, not a, not a lot, but I'd seen them go through, through some things uh, with their children, um, some things that, that I didn't necessarily understand how someone could have to go through these things. Um, and so as I kept praying and thinking, she just kept coming to mind. And, and this is truly a story of faith. And I'm going to let her tell it because she can tell a whole heck of a lot better than I can. Um, but it is a, a story that has really touched my life, and so I'm excited for you guys to get to hear it this morning. Hi, is your mic on? Is it on? Yeah, okay. good. All right, so I, to get right to it, I want you to tell the church about your childhood growing up, your father, um, and, and how the story started there. Okay, um, 
Well, I was born into a Christian home and um, prayed to receive Christ when I was three, almost four. And I can remember praying in my room and just the childlike faith. So I really believe that was my point of salvation. Um, and at that time, in my perspective, life was perfect. I remember sitting in the back seat of my car um, with my sister Mary next to me and my mom and dad in the front seat and just thinking just how we were so blessed because God loved us and we knew the Lord and that he would never let anything bad happened to us. Then um, I started to pray for a little sister, and soon my mom was expecting, and in August of 1986, my younger sister, Shania, was born, and that was my first big answer to prayer. Then four months later, we, um, our family made a big move from North Carolina back to Iowa, where um, my mom's family was living, and to move into a house that my dad had built for us. So we spent Christmas together there as a family, and then um, my dad had to make a trip back to North Carolina to get the rest of our things. And I should say at this point, too, um, my dad was just the most wonderful, godly Christian man. And he just lived his life daily for Jesus. Um, so he was just living his life um, like any other day. And driving through Illinois, he saw a truck ahead of him that was towing a boom truck, and the transmission had dropped out of it and was in the middle of the road. So he wanted to prevent an accident. Um, so he followed the driver for about a mile before he got his attention. And then the two of them walked back together to move it out of the road. And at, at that point, just right as they're doing this, another semi came up um, and had to straddle the transmission and jackknifed and the load it was carrying flew off and hit um, both my dad and the other man and killed them within minutes. Um, from my, from my perspective at that point, I, I um, just understood that it was like our family picture had been ripped into um, and that things weren't going to be the same. Um, how, how old were you at that point? I was almost six, so just too young to really be able to understand and process at that point. And a couple of weeks later, I remember it was my birthday, and my mom had invited all these kids over to... Um, just try to make it really special. But I just remember all the kids running in for cake and just hanging back in the room by myself. And the thought that came into my head was, you're supposed to be happy right now, but you'll never be happy again. And I didn't identify it at the time, but that was the first time I just believed a lie. So that just kind of played out in different ways after that. Then I went to a small um, private school and was just kind of singled out and mistreated by the girls in my class, then switched schools to a small public school and kind of had similar stuff happen. And for whatever reason, just kind of believed the messages I heard. So by the time I was a teenager, I just kind of, I just had a really negative self-image and just struggled with, with just really negative thoughts. I, so I just started to try to be perfect all the time and just try to be good and do the right things, and um, also just started getting involved in as many activities as I could, so I could try to do well at that. So I was doing um, like all the dance classes offered at my studio, and flute, and um, choir, drama, speech, cheerleading, all this stuff, and leading a prayer group at my school, getting straight A's most of the way through school. And um, so from the outside, just looked like everything was going well, and like I had it all together. But inside, I was just really struggling and just kind of had this emptiness and longing for love and acceptance. And I wanted to follow God, but I didn't really know him well enough yet, I think. And looking back, I think also I 
had to grieve the loss of my dad later when I was older and understanding what I had really lost in that relationship um, and how that was affecting me. So, so I struggled with an eating disorder and also suicidal thoughts. And that kind of came to a breaking point when I was in high school when two of my friends were killed, one in a car accident and the other was murdered by his friend just down the street from my house. And when that happened, it just kind of sent me into a downward spiral. Started to really just wrestle with God and question him whether he was good and loving, whether he was even real at all, doubted if the Bible was true. So at that point, I didn't want to live anymore because I didn't want to live in a world without God. And if God was there, I didn't understand why the world was so broken. But that ended up being a turning point in my life because because of my actions around that time, I couldn't really hold it together anymore and pretend. So some people in my life became more aware of what was going on. And also, as I was questioning God, I was also searching for God. So I was reading the Bible for myself and reading Christian books and just really looking at the lives of people around me and looking for Jesus in their life. And I was really blessed that God just provided me with tons of Christian influences during those years. So the pastor and his wife from the church I grew up in were like second parents to me. And there were so many Christians um, teaching at my school just during the years that I was there. So so I began, like it wasn't like a sudden thing, but it was just kind of like a slow, like a still small voice, I guess, that God just slowly began to show me um, that he was there and that he loved me, and I really began to learn that it, he didn't care. He wasn't interested in my performance or if I could be good enough, and he just wanted my heart. So that was a turning point for me. And that was about the end of high school to start, right before you started college? Was that about that time? Yeah, looking back, I think um, by the time I went to college, I felt like God had just kind of reached down and grabbed me out of yeah. the darkness. Yeah. Yep. So then fast forward a few years, you've met Mark. He wooed you. You got married. Yep. <laughs> uh, with his debonair looks right there. A couple kids later, and uh, so now you're about how old now? How many? I don't know. <laughs> uh, let's see. Don't ask me to do math right now. <laughs> That's right. She's older now. A few years older, married for a few years, has two kids. And so now what takes place in your life? Um, yeah, so we have these two wonderful little boys, and we're expecting our third child. And I had prayed again for a little girl, like I did when I prayed for my sister. So we were so excited when we found out our daughter was on the way. And we just went out right away and started buying little girl clothes. And we were house hunting at the time, so house hunting with her nursery in mind. We bought a minivan and just really started to plan and dream her whole future um, and just fall in love with our daughter. So it was just pure joy at that point, and I was the happiest I had ever been. Then when I was almost 26 weeks, um, I went in for my appointment, and the nurse practitioner I saw was just moving the Doppler around, listening for the baby's heartbeat, and she just kept a smile on her face the whole time, and she just said, you know, I think the placenta's in front, so I'm just having a hard time hearing, so we're just going to do an ultrasound and check on the baby. And at that point, I just kind of went into survival mode. I just sort of 
didn't let myself think because <laughs> I didn't want to think of the worst scenarios. Um, so I was laying on that, the table and there were, they were just taking measurements and I really wasn't prepared for um, what I would hear. And I just heard the words, I'm sorry, but there's no heartbeat. Um, so at this point, you've just gone from saying this is the happiest you've ever been in your life. It, things are in place. You, you've, you've gone to all these lengths to even prepare for having this little girl. And that's one of the biggest parts that made you feel like things were becoming complete with, with your whole family. So, so where did you go from that moment when you heard your little girl has no Harvey? Well, in that moment, at first, um, it just felt like the world stopped, and I just wondered how things could change so quickly. But God was there in that moment, and he just immediately gave me full assurance that our daughter was already in the presence of her Savior and mine. But it was, like, bittersweet at the time because I couldn't really wrap my brain around the fact that she was, like, physically still in the womb, but she was in heaven with God already. Following that, we um, had to go to the hospital then, and I couldn't really imagine going through the path that was in front of me. I was really scared and just didn't want to go through it. Wished I could go to sleep and wake up and have it be over. But they told us at the hospital that it could either go really quickly or it would take a long time, that it pretty much went one of two ways. So we prayed that it would go fast. <laughs> um, but God, in his wisdom, had other plans. And it ended up taking, I think, about 33 hours from Friday afternoon till really late Saturday night. And so during that time, God was just changing my heart. I had the most wonderful nurse. Her name was Michelle. And she just sat down next to me and told me what was going to happen. And she said, um, you're going to hold your baby. And um, you're going to count her fingers and toes. And and just see her and, and love her. Um, and at that point, I was just thinking, not yet, because <laughs> um, I just want to hold her when, in three months when she's coming home with us, but not like this. But still, just that picture of, of holding her was the beginning of changing my heart. Then we had lots of people coming in and out of our room, friends and family and um, pastors and people just sharing scripture praying with us and encouraging us in the Lord. Um, and really, I think God just needed time to help us to begin to have acceptance and for me just to begin to surrender so we would be ready. And so then at 11.53 p.m. on May 9th, 2009, just seven minutes before Mother's Day, I delivered our daughter, Eliana Grace, and she was so tiny and and it was so quiet, but she was perfectly made. And we knew that she was already with God, but we held her and, and just loved her. And we worshiped God while we held her. And there was peace that filled the room like I could have never imagined. And God's presence was right there with us. And it was like, as we cradled her, he was cradling us. And we sang over her and prayed over her and just worshiped God. So before I have her share where they've gone since then, um, 
if you're like me, I sit back and I hear the story and we talk about this faith and to be able to see this, this process that Jessalyn's gone through in her life where she loses her father when she's almost six and then, and then goes through all these challenges that would come because of these, not, these things that you don't understand. And then we get to the point where um, you have this 33-hour labor not to celebrate you know, having your baby and going home and doing all those things that normally would happen after, but to actually, you know, mourn the loss. And then you hear them say they worshiped. And you're thinking, how? That's called faith. That's called faith in God. And, and when we don't, we can't see, we can't, we can't see and it's hard to believe in what we can't see, she would tell you the only way she could cope with losing her baby that day was because God was right there. That there was no doubt in your mind. Yeah, yeah. Um, so at that point going forward, I didn't know how I was even going to like get up off the bed and walk out of the hospital without my baby. And I knew I could be back to square one in a heartbeat um, because I could feel it. And I, and I knew that I could believe Satan's lies again, that God didn't love me, that he wanted to take everything good from me, that he knew I didn't deserve her, wouldn't be a good mom for her, and all these different things. Or I could choose to believe God. And so I just chose to believe him that everything he ever said is always true, 100%, no matter what's going on and how I feel. So he just brought me straight to himself and to his word. And I was just reading the Bible more than I ever had before in the aftermath. And it was like he just kind of taught me all over again how to trust him and call him my father. And I think God allows brokenness in our lives so that we can come to him like that and just recognize our dependence on him. Because I thought for a long time that at some point I would reach a point when the brokenness would just be gone, and then maybe I would sit up here, you know, but um, or just do something that mattered for God. So what I learned is that it's not going to go away, this side of heaven, because it's in our brokenness that God can work in our lives and that we can be used in the lives of other people. So um, now... I would just like you to tell everybody where you're at now, uh, anything, that's, uh, anything else that's happened with your family since then. You've had a couple more kids. Um, God's blessed you with some things. And, and just maybe a final challenge as far as what you've learned in your life. Okay, sure. Um, so we have two more beautiful children now. Our son, Benjamin, he's five. We chose his name, Benjamin, because of that passage in the Bible where Joseph's brothers are going to go on the trip to Egypt, and they know it's a dangerous trip, so they leave their brother Benjamin behind because they know that their father has already lost a son and that he can't bear to lose Benjamin. So my pregnancy with him was anything but textbook. We knew he might be born with cystic fibrosis, and we knew that he might be born with complications requiring surgery at birth, but we also knew that God knew that we couldn't bear to lose Benjamin at that point. So 
that, so we chose that name. And really from the first moment we held him, there was just instant healing that took place, just hearing him cry and holding him in our arms for both of us. Um, and he's just been such a blessing. But he does have cystic fibrosis, so we just walk that path of faith with him every day and do his treatments and his medications and just put him right in the palm of God's hand because we know that we don't know what, what lies ahead for him, but God has a plan for him. And then we prayed again for um, a baby, and we prayed for a little girl. And because we know that God is a loving father who loves to give good gifts to his children, we fasted and prayed because we knew that we could still pass on the gene for cystic fibrosis. So we asked God that he would give us a daughter that did not have CF. And so he gave us Kayla Joanna, and her name means pure and crown of beauty. And I have a verse um, in Isaiah 61, verses 3 through 5, it says, To comfort those who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of despair. And so that's what God did for us when he gave Kayla to us. So, yeah, we've just been blessed. And when I look at our family picture now, I see joy and blessing and love. And there's still some brokenness there because there's still someone missing. And that just also showed me just how much God loves us, though, because I didn't, we know we love our kids and we know we love them before they're born. But by having it cut off at the point it was, it was like I got to see how close that connection already was because. God creates each one of us with that eternal soul, and every individual life is sacred to him. And so I know even if we had 10 more children, we would still miss her. But that reminded me of the parable of the lost sheep and how the shepherd wouldn't hesitate to leave behind the 99 and go and look for the one little lost lamb. And I was that lamb, and he loves all of us but he, he loves each one of us individually as his child. And so he calls us by name and he draws us back to himself when we wander. And so daily during the hardest times, he was reminding me, do you see how much you love her? Well, I love her even more than that. And I love you even more than that. And so it was, I got to know his love in a deeper way than I ever would have before. And then he went on to show me that um, as much as I loved Eliana, and I would have just held on to her if I had a choice, but God has a son, too, and he didn't spare his son. He, um, not only was he separated from Jesus when he was on the cross, so he knows the pain of separation, but he was the one who poured out his wrath and gave the punishment onto his son who was innocent so that each one of us could become his child. And when I saw it like that in relation to what we had gone through, I just couldn't help but trust God because a love like that we can never understand. And we might not always see it. We might not always feel it because there's that separation between heaven and earth. But we can trust him and we can believe him because we can know that his love is so deep and so strong. And he's our rescuer and our loving father. And... Someday the brokenness really will be gone, and someday we'll really be complete, and that's when we'll see him face to face. Thank you. I'll, I'm going to let Jessalyn sit down, uh, and I'm going to have the band come up. 
here before we take communion. And, and just what I want to challenge you guys with, it, just hearing the story, I heard it three weeks ago, two weeks ago, and, and I was sitting there. I mean, you guys know I cry a lot. I was sitting in there, and I was just crying, listening to Jessalyn's story. And, and in my own faith, I go through a little, how does someone, I try to put myself in that situation and, and, and think about how, how I would look at God and how I would, <laughs> how my own faith would waver in that situation. And just with losing your, your father at an early age and then trying to, trying to go through childhood without that and trying to figure out life and all of these things. And, and then being able to get to the point where you trust and understand who he is to where you lose a child and you can say, all right, now I believe the only way I could get through this is because of God, because he's right here, because he's with me. And so a lot of times these things happen in people's lives, and maybe it's happened in your life, that rock us and, 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 and have us hold on to or carry so much pain we don't know how to, to make it through some days. And my belief is the only way that, that Jessalyn and Mark and their family could get through a moment like that and life without their child is because God was able to be right there with them. And that's, that's so much evidence. Because otherwise, I don't see how somebody climbs out of that pain. I don't see how somebody climbs out of those devastating things that happen in their lives. And some people have it happen to them. And at that point, they say there is no God. Or I don't want to believe in this God because how could he allow this to happen to me? But others can say, the only way I can get through this is because of God, because he loves me, because he has done this for me, and because this life is going to be gone, and then I'm past my brokenness when I get to eternity with my Father. And I know, no doubt, you have thought of the day when you get to be in heaven and see your Father and see your Father and then see your little girl. I know you've thought about that. Maybe you thought about that this week. Faith. <laughs> I mean, if you, if you go home today and you say, I don't believe in anything. Or I don't know what I believe in. Because that story that Tim talked about at the very beginning of church was, is pretty weird. And it really is. But I believe it to be true in my life. I believe it to be true in your life. And so what I hope, as we take communion, and as you're thinking through this, and you look at the story that Jessalyn told, it's not her story. This is God's story. That you can look at your own belief, your own faith, your own life, and say, thank you, God, for giving me that salvation, and I want to live for you. Because of that faith. And, and I may waver, but I'm so thankful that you're with me every step. And if you don't have that faith, then I want you to sit there. And I want you to, to try and talk to this God you don't necessarily believe in. Because if you can find a way to step out 
in belief and believe in God and that you have been saved and that there is this eternity laid up for you. So when you get to heaven, you see your father. You see your wife. You see your husband. You see your kids. You spend eternity with the people you love because God has laid up perfection for you after all of this pain. I pray that if you don't know God today, that you would look for him. Because he's right there waiting for you. And so what I want to do now is I want us to, to celebrate. We come and we remember Jesus and what he's done for us and the broken body and the, and the blood. But, but we celebrate because this is not the end of us. This is where Jesus took over for us, and now we can celebrate because we have eternity, because the pain will end, because the brokenness will be gone, because death will no longer matter. It won't matter because we will have eternity. That is faith. He paved the way for us. And so then we sort through it with our own minds and our hearts, and we step out and we say, I believe. I believe. Help my unbelief because I want to believe. Father God, I just thank you so much for this story. And I'm, I'm sorry for Jessalyn and Mark that they've had to go through these pains and these hurts. And I'm sorry for others in this room that have gone through pains and hurts, Lord. But I pray that if there are those in here that don't know, that have never stepped out, that are just holding back because it does sound so unbelievable and so weird that you would help them to be able to get past that and be able to step out and choose you for the first time, Lord. And for those of us that have been choosing you, Lord, I pray that we're all the more motivated to be able to just go and live for you with unwavering faith. No matter what's gonna come, there's gonna be a lot of pain and brokenness come to the people in this room because in this life, things happen. And so I pray as we go through our lives that we would not waver. That no matter how devastating, no matter how painful, that we could turn to you and we could get through those things because you're right there. Because you always look after us. Because you always take care of us, Lord. So we just praise you for salvation. We thank you that you would send your son. And we thank you that you, you gave us this gift. We love you and we praise you in your name. Amen. So my only challenge for you guys today is if you're sitting there and you're wrestling with something, it may not be faith in Jesus. It just may be something you're struggling with with your walk with Christ in your life. Things you're struggling with, pain that's hard to let go of. Um, and maybe it is trying to believe for the first time. What I challenge you with is, is don't just sit there and struggle with it yourself. Go talk to somebody. And, and that's the most humbling thing you could possibly do. And, and it's really hard. I've been in that position many times, and a lot of times I didn't do it because I talked myself out of it. And so what I want you guys to do is if you don't believe in God and you're wondering more about it, if you're, you, you want to know, you want to ask questions, Go talk to somebody. You have plenty of elders here. You have myself, Nick, 
others. Just come talk to somebody. And if you're struggling with something else and you just need prayer, you need to talk through it, go talk to somebody. That's my only challenge. Get past the, the pride or whatever is keeping you from being able to do that and go take care of it now because it will actually change your life. It will make your week better and the next many weeks and the next many years better if you have that conversation. So that's my challenge this morning as we sing this last song. Uh, thanks so much for being here this week.